The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Hi, welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast preview show for round 12 versus the Western Bulldogs. The game will be held on Saturday afternoon at Adelaide Oval. It looks to be a pretty big match. Um, this is Porsche. Joining me as always is Macca19. How are you, Macca? Porsche, my dear. I tell you what, I am absolutely pumped for this weekend. It should be an absolute ripper. I'm super excited to see them play. And look, they might be young. I think they've got some uh, some inexperienced older fellas as well. But um, they've also got one of the most exciting teams going around this year. And uh, mm. can it be their year? Can it be the first time this century? 50-something years that England make the final of a major football tournament. <laughs> Time will tell. Oh, God, really? <laughs> what? Sorry, this is the 2016 Euros preview podcast, isn't it? Oh, please, as if I'd have anything to do with soccer. Oh, looks like I've made a, a terrible mistake. <laughs> oh, no, that's no good, Macca. Well, we're actually talking about the Western Bulldogs. Oh, who wants to talk about them? Well... Say. We, we, we kind of do. That's that's what we're here to do. It's our job. Not that we get paid yeah, for it. should be a good game. No. Yeah, I, I am think super so. pumped for this weekend, though. It should be an absolute Ooh. ripper. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, look, we'll just jump straight into the hot topics. Um, the big news, I suppose, is that the, the player of the year in some respects, Aaron Young, has signed this week for a one-year contract extension, taking you through to the end of 2017. Uh, Macca, how do you see that? Uh, I think it's good for both parties. Um, mm. hopefully he comes out this weekend and still performs and uh, doesn't go goalless. Um, you know, he, he seems to have lived off one-year contracts for the last sort of uh, few seasons and, mm. you know, this year it seems to be doing him well. So to get a, a, a contract extension already is fantastic. Um, could have been longer, I guess, but, um, you know, maybe puts him in line with the new TV rights, maybe a smart move by his manager there as well. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, I wouldn't have been... Like, he's this player that... At this point, I'd still be a little uneasy giving like a three or four year deal, oh, because yeah. be- because there are aspects to his game that I don't think have been tested by top sides, and we might see that this week. Yep. Um, so it would be interesting to see how he copes in those circumstances. It's entirely possible he'll get through them and he'll still kick kicking goals and doing all the good things, but he's just been unmanned so often this year that it's a little concerning and you sort of wonder if the worm will turn and as yeah. I said this might be the week so we'll see we'll see how it goes no, that's, that's totally fair I think Young is a guy that um, maybe performs a bit better when he knows the pressure's on him personally yeah. so um, I think uh, keeping him to sort of lower uh, end contracts in terms of length is is certainly the, the right idea yeah look I think there's probably a lot of players that do respond to that but then there's I guess when you get to a certain point in your career, like if he's mid-20s or late-20s, then you're sort of thinking, oh, gee, you know, I've got to see out my career, got to get the money in. And they probably want mm. the long-term deals then. But I, ironically, that's probably when we really shouldn't offer them. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other big news this week, um, we've got the, apparently the ratings figures for that first match in China, um, Port versus Geelong a few weeks ago, and apparently 4 million viewers watched that game. Um, based on which KT, Keith Thomas, has predicted that there will be 60 million total viewers of games in China by the end of the year, which is really kind of scary and it's good. It's pretty massive, isn't it? Yeah, it's look, it's huge. Um, assuming that they keep watching, assuming that we keep entertaining them and all that stuff. But yeah, look, it's a really interesting thing. Um, admittedly, like a lot of sports go on ESPN and there's probably people following it in all, all countries around the world. But um, it's still good to see, and particularly seeing we've got that little link there ourselves, and we might better make a little bit out of it. Hope so. That's the mm. plan, isn't it? So hopefully. Okay. I mean, 4 million viewers, I mean, it's a drop in the ocean in terms of China's total population. But yeah. uh, to get 4 million viewers to watch a, an unknown sort of sport over there is uh, is pretty impressive, I think. And if that continues to grow, then uh, it's only a good thing. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing about 4 million viewers is that that 4 million, that's before any word of mouth or anything else gets out. So if we back the product in and we have a good product, then who knows? It might increase. It might increase. Yep. Hopefully. Absolutely. You'd hope so. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, look, I think that's most of the, the big news this week. Um, I think we might as well just go into sort of the the meat of this week, kind of the, the part I've been looking forward to the most, which is the first time they met. 
Um, As part of the 20th season celebrations, we're just going through the games that we played in 1997, the first year in the AFL. And this week, we're going to talk about round 12 on the 14th of June, 1997, our first away win in Melbourne uh, against the Western Bulldogs at Princess Park, which was, I think that was their first year playing out of, not in Witten Oval or whatever else for some games. Um, yep. Port, Port Adelaide kicked 14 goals, 10.94, defeating the Bulldogs 12 goals, 10.82 for a 12-point 12 12 total margin. Um, this is a game that in the first quarter we shouldn't have won. Uh, the Bulldogs kicked eight goals to one, um, but then we just slowly ground it back, although actually in that second quarter we held them goalless. So that was maybe there was a bit of a breeze. I hadn't, wasn't actually at the game. Um, but, uh, yeah, finally came away with a win. Macca, what are your memories of that game? Well, look, it's just one of those incredible matches that's uh, going to live on in the uh, in the pantheon of great Port Adelaide wins for eternity, really. I mean, that mm. was, for me, our best win in 1997. Um, you yeah. know, we can talk about the first showdown and obviously the, the, the emotional side of that game, but from a pure on-field sense, um, the Crows had injuries. They weren't in particularly good form. And you look at this particular game, and the Dogs were a game clear on top of the ladder when we played yeah. them. Um, yeah. So they were in absolute top shape. Um, and to be eight goals to one down at quarter time and, and come back and win at their home ground for our first win in Melbourne, I mean, it's, it's just one of those games that if you were watching at the time, you just couldn't believe what you were seeing. And I remember seeing vision of um, after one of the goals in the last quarter of the cheer squad literally jumping all over each other like a, like a mosh pit. And uh, <laughs> it was similar scenes in our living room at the time, believe me. Yeah, well, I mean, your point on the status of the, the Bulldogs at that time um, was very real. Uh, they were an 8-3 side, at the, eight wins, three losses side at that time, as the Bulldogs are now for this week. Um, yep. And they were really just con- considered to be a, a, a real premiership almost certainly at that point, uh, although, of course, that eventually didn't work out. And that's why yeah. I never trust the Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it was an interesting game for another reason, which is that Nigel Fegert, who had been playing, uh, had been a, quite a valuable player at uh, SN, NFL level, I think he was the rookie of the year in the SNFL the year before, um, yeah. came out and uh, as a backman came into the forward line and kicked three goals in, in, a, in a very close match. Uh, really an unexpected result. Some of them were just, like one of them I just remember just sort of bounced into the goal square and you go, oh my God, how is this happening? But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. No, he really played well. He was a good player, Figget, and uh, mm. I'm surprised he didn't play more footy at, um, at AFL level than what he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty quick for his size and, and good strength and, and could play either end of the ground. He was, he was a pretty handy player and to end up kicking um, or taking five marks and kicking three goals in your second game in, in that sort of win, I mean, I'm sure that's something that he will clo- uh, hold close to his heart um, for a long time. And look, for me, um, uh, Stephen Paxman's job on Simon Minton Connell was, uh, was really the mm. stuff of legend, really. I mean, we've spoken about his spoil against Brisbane a few weeks back. Um, yep. But Minton Connell was one of the formful forwards in the league at the time. He, I think he'd uh, kicked 43 goals for the year at that point. And, you know, we we're only talking about round 12. Yep. Um, he was uh, held goalless only once, had kicked um, or had averaged 4.5 goals um, over the last six weeks. And Paco kept him to the, um, to the glorious stats of two kicks, no marks, no scoring shots, one free against. So in dream team terms, he would have ended with two. Uh, for the game, uh, which is uh, pretty bloody horrendous. And uh, look, in fact, you could almost make a point that uh, that arguably finished Minton, Minton Connell's uh, career because he yeah. only kicked another four goals for the year after that, yep. and was no yep. more than a bit player the year after. So, uh, so Stephen Paxman, he, he did great things for us uh, early in our AFL history. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, just making a, a, a further back up to the statement that he played very well, he did the unthinkable and he scored two Brownlow votes as a uh, as a backman, as a fullback. So that was uh, certainly unexpected. I've heard result. of these days. I know, you, you wouldn't get that. Um, yeah. But yeah, Simon Minoconnell, I think that's probably a fair call to say that his career kind of ended then. He'd always been, I think he'd, like, really as a key forward, he was a good kick, but I don't think he had a lot else to his game. He wasn't the yeah. biggest player, he wasn't the strongest player. Um, and he wasn't the fastest player, and he was just doing well in a team that was getting the ball directly to him. Um, he was pretty similar to Scotty Cummings in the terms of yeah. he'd go to a club, he'd have a, a big first year there, and then he'd go missing. He'd go yeah. to a different club, have a big first year, go missing, and, and repeat about four times. So yeah, he was a pretty interesting player. Yeah, and we've got a great comment on the Spreaker forum uh, from Mick Harrison. He's saying, oh, is that that Bulldogs game as a 10-year-old? That's when I started following Port. 
one of the greatest comebacks ever. He remembers Figgett kicked the sealer. Ian Wilson and the boys behind the goals went off. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think there was a lot of support. Really, I suppose, in that first year of the power, like everyone, there was still a lot of little niggle and all that sort of stuff. Like, I remember my mum was very anti-Nord players and Central's players playing for Port Adelaide. And the fact that Nigel Figgett, you know, is Port and Port and Port, like it was really easy to get behind him. And I think the full crowd would have been, but... uh, Mm. Yeah, no. Oh, look, for any, anyone listening who is too young to see that game, you, you've just got to go and check it out, really. Mm. I mean, find it, buy it off Sports Delivered, do what you have to do to get your hands on it and watch it. It's absolutely quintessential Port Adelaide. Yeah, it's a really important game. Um, and especially if you watch that first quarter knowing that we're going to get that margin back. <laughs> mm. Mm. All right. Well, look, uh, we might as well move on now. As much as it's uh, nice talking about the days past to the last time they met, uh, which was really a bit of a sorry story. Um, we played against the Bulldogs last in round 19, the 8th of August in 2015 at Dockland Stadium. Uh, the Bulldogs yep. won that game, 19 goals, 14, 128, beating Port 9 goals, 10, 64. So they got more than 100 points on us. I didn't put down the margin. Oh, no, no, more than not. Lots. No, more than 60 Lots points. Yeah, the sorry. Yeah. Um, the worst part was we're actually up at quarter time. Uh, mm. Uh, and then the dogs came away in the second quarter, kicking six goals to none. Uh, and then we sort of broke even in the third, and then the dogs just pulled away in the last. We just obviously had given up at that point. Um, Maka, what do you remember of that game? Look, it just wasn't a great day, was it? I was at a wedding in the country that day, and there was no phone reception, so I couldn't check the uh, check the scores during the uh, ceremony. But uh, you know, obviously had it on the radio pre-ceremony, and uh, at that point. When we got out the car, we were three goals to nothing up. I thought, you beauty, we're, we've come to play today. Finals are still on. By the time we got back to the car, as I said, there was no phone reception. We were 40 points down. So I, I don't know what the hell happened there. Yeah. Caught the last quarter at the pub opposite the reception, and uh, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, and I guess the, the one thing that I took out of the match was the performance of Tom Cleary, who I thought went... Yeah. Um, Onto a couple of different players who were dominating. I know he he, um, he kept Redpath out of it early. He went on to Stringer at halftime, kept him goalless, um, and and he was just about uh, best on ground at halftime. Jake Stringer and uh, he went on to those players who were dominating and, and completely shut them out of the game. And uh, you know shows how much I know. He got dropped the next week and hasn't been seen since. Yeah, well, they do talk about uh, defence being a team thing and uh, really you'd have to say that Bulldogs offence, they were just really destroyed us. Um, they had uh, mm. well, Stringer and Redpath both kicked four goals, Kramer and Dixon three each. We just had no answers um, yeah. and we weren't shutting... You know, when you have that many multiple goal kickers against you, it's a bit of a concern. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not sure what happened. Um, yeah, we, as I said, we were right on top. We kicked the first three goals of the game. We were tackling really hard. We, we were attacking them really hard. Um, and then it just completely stopped, completely. So not sure what happened, and uh, obviously that uh, ended our chance for finals as well. Yeah, it was um, certainly. A, <laughs> we I suppose we kind of thought we were still maybe in it at that point, but I, I think a lot of us had kind of thought no, just impossible. But that we really absolutely put an end to it. Um, the other interesting thing about this match, I thought, was the fact that we clearly dominated the rucks in the hit, we won the hitouts, but. Um, we obviously didn't win in the midfield battle either. We, we didn't win on the no. scoreboard. We didn't win anywhere on the ground. Um, yep. And notable in that is I think that it was probably the most quintessential. Like if you're looking for a game, if you're an anti-Mat Lobby guy and you're looking for a game that you say, ah, oh, that's the Mat Lobby game, it was this one where he had 19 hitouts and two disposals. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> sort, of... <laughs> sort of sums up his, uh, his last 18 months, I think. Yeah, like really, he takes the taps. But honestly, if you didn't have to, if you didn't have to have a ruckman at the tap, you'd just have the two disposals. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little worrying. But there you go. Um, yeah, so look, it was a very unpleasant match, and we really let it get away. But it was a Docklands, so uh, we know that the Bulldogs are dry track bullies. Is that is that a term? Can we make that a term? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think we're certainly, in this case, it's probably justified. Um, they have not got a very good away record at all, and um, hopefully that's going to play in our favour this week. Which, Speaking of which, let's roll on and talk about this week against the Western Bulldogs. Now, the ins let's and outs this about- week. The ins and outs, we've got lots of speculation to have this week because there's been none. There's no ins and outs. We have exactly the same side named as we did last week. Um, I suppose it's fair enough. What do you think, Macca? What do you think about that? Preposterous. It's ludicrous. 
Why well, is at, pre- least, at least give us something to melt about on the podcast. You know? <laughs> All right, come on. Don't go making smart decisions now, Port Adelaide coaching staff. Let's, uh, let's keep the podcast running here. Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly makes it a little bit tough. Um, I think the most you could melt about, because people like melting about it, is maybe we can look at the emergencies and say, Carl Amon, Sam Cahoon, Brendan Archie as emergencies. Ugh. But that's really, even that's a bit of a hard argument to make. Mm. Um, I guess the only thing you could potentially say, although really I don't know who would come in, is that given how we performed in defence against them last time, we could potentially have changed our defensive setup. But... We need to. Uh, the main no, the... no. I'm pretty happy going in unchanged. You know, we we played really well the last couple of weeks, um, and there's really no one from that side that you'd want to drop. Really, I mean, it would be pretty hard done by for anyone to go out of that side that won last week. And mm. you know, it's not like the dogs have a super tall forward line, so there's That's no true. point bringing in an, an extra sort of um, sort of taller defender. It's not like we got one anyway, so. I mean, the, the only other sort of change that you'd be making would be maybe bringing in someone like Amon or Archie and do they really deserve to come back in at the expense of someone that's you know played in a winning side the last couple of weeks? So probably not. Yeah, it's certainly debatable at this point. Um, and uh, the other interesting thing is the Bulldogs have made only one change and that was forced through injury. So, uh, look, it's interesting when you have two teams that don't make excessive changes or hardly make any changes at all because normally that would mean that they're both in form they're very happy about and so in a lot of ways I think that means it becomes a coaching battle because obviously the players can't change so it's all about coach versus coach they're, they're happy with what they've got going and be, I think it'll be a really interesting contest in that regard um, yeah. for, for the Bulldogs the only changes are that Toby McLean's out with injury and Mitch Honeychurch is in and Mitch Honeychurch has apparently been playing pretty well at VFL level lately so that's a fair enough inclusion um, what do you think about that what do you think about the Bulldogs form of late Macca um, look, I'm really, really excited about this game, and I think this is going to be our toughest test of the year to date. And it's not really because of the form of the dogs; it's more the sort of game style that they that they um, implement, hmm. um, and how that sort of matches up against our game style ourselves. And I think we match up really, really well against the dogs. And um, it's really, really the best defence in the league coming up against an attack that has really fired um, in all except maybe two games this year. So. Um, maybe a concern is our bad record against the Dogs. We've only won two of our last ten. Um, as I said, it's the best defence in the league. You know They've given up just 69 points per game this year. We've let through 100 points on just one occasion this year. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess the other interesting thing is that um, like their ruck work has not been amazing. Um, they've got a double act there in Campbell and Roughhead, um, with Roughhead playing more around the ground. Um, but I'm not really... I, I actually think that's actually a right contest that for us can work. I think I don't think either of them have anything particularly special. I think Jackson Trengove can yeah. keep doing what he's doing. Absolutely. The, yeah. But the, the real concern that kind of raises for me is that if they're used to not having a particularly good ruckman, doesn't that mean they'll be doing the same thing in Ridford that we will, just to an extent? Like, don't, Do you think we'll have our players running to the same positions? And you think it might? I, I think it might be a really physical contest in the middle. What do you think, Macca? It's, it's quite possible, but I think both teams will actually view this as um, as a game that they can win the ruck and maybe mm. might be a bit more aggressive in their um, in their midfield setups this week. Um, you know, Tom Campbell's a battler; uh, he's done really well for them this year, but you know, he doesn't get his hands on the ball a, a hell of a lot. Um, mm. Jordan Ruffhead's a really good player, but is um, obviously more of a second string ruckman can play as a key back or can even uh, go up forward as he's done this year. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. I think Jackson Trengove's um, got a big chance to uh, to really get on top this week. Yeah, but I mean, if he doesn't compete for the taps and he just goes for clearances, then I don't know. How does that change anything? Does that change anything? Probably not, but um, we might have more opportunity to win more clearances this week okay. than we might yeah. have had um, in previous weeks. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how we go Um and we know the Dogs' midfield is uh, exceptionally good as well, and they've got a number of um, very, very good clearance-winning mids um, themselves. So, you know, guys like Bontempelli and obviously Liberatore is fantastic mm. at that. Um, you know, guys like that. So, going to be in- interesting to see. Yeah, so as a midfield battle, do you think we break even or do you think we might have a side edge there perhaps? 
I'm not sure if we've got an edge. It's it's really interesting. Um, I think the Dogs' midfield is one of the most complete in the league. They've got explosive players like Bontempelli and Dalhouse who are pretty hard to match on, match up on and, and super, super quick. They've got their accumulators in guys like Lockie Hunter and, and Mitch Wallace. Mm. Um, Liam Pickens a, a pretty good defensive player. They've got their outside runners in guys like Jack McRae um, and Honeychurch coming in. They also get a lot of run from guys like Boyd and Biggs coming off half-back. And obviously there's Liberatore as well, who's uh, spent considerable time playing outside the guts this year. Um, is kicking goals and, and using his tackling to advantage uh, through the forward half of the ground as well. So, you know, they've got plenty of options to run through the midfield. How we match up, uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm not too sure. Um, I would think Ebert, with his uh, defensive jobs the last couple of weeks, should go to Bontempelli. He's also got right. the height to match him in the air, I think, as well. Okay. Um, I think we might see Dalhouse uh, go up against Boak. Um, I'm expecting Mitch Wallace to, um, to tag Robbie Gray. And I think Libra might go up against Wines as well. Ah, oh, really? Libra and Wines? That yep. seems... Okay, that'll be interesting. Gosh, that'll be a clash. <laughs> that'll be a good one, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, and moving what forward... What are your thoughts? Do, do you think we've got an advantage in the midfield? Or? Look, um, I guess I'm not really too sure because our midfield setups are non-conventional. I think we probably have an advantage, if anything, maybe on the outside. Um, I think that the form we showed last week, certainly in basically taking it right up to the man before giving away disposal. I think that'll help for getting through the defence. So it's really, for me, it's a matter of us getting it and being able to get it towards the forward side of the square. And I think from there, we're yep. pretty solid. Um, so if we're talking about the forward side of the square through to goal, I'm, I think that well, that'll be a pretty efficient line for us. Um, yep. And particularly, I don't think the Door Dogs have really got an excellent match for Charlie Dixon. Um, and hopefully he can pull off a game like last week. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, yeah. I... I yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. I think they've got a good match sort of physically for him, maybe not with the height, but certainly in terms of strength, I think Marcus Adams is going to be um, the player that goes to him. He's probably the uh, the only legitimate option, really. So you're probably right in the fact that if Charlie Dixon does get off the chain, it's going to be hard to see who they might um, mm. make some changes with uh, in terms of personnel there. How do you rate um, Adams for reacting to the players that comes down the field? Do you think he's pretty good or do you think they... Because that obviously there's a lot of um, interceptors in that Bulldogs back line. Yeah. Is it the sort of... Like I know that when we had an intercepting defence, we had a fullback that maybe was okay at intercepting, but mostly they were just good at one-on-one. And do you think Adams might be yeah. in that category? Uh, possibly. I think he's uh, he's proven himself to be a, a pretty decent sort of shutdown defender at this point in time. And you mm. look, it's his first year. He's come in as a mature age player from the Waffle, and he's playing some really impressive footy for them. So um, I think the dogs work really well as a team, and Adams has sort of uh, come in as another cog in that machine and uh, and has done exceptionally well. Yeah, because, I mean, the reason I sort of ask that is because we don't play a conventional approach to forward line. Um, we play mm. a bit of random ball every time we go in. It's very rarely in the same way. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that can catch out genuine shutdown defenders, particularly if our forward is part of the game, which last week we certainly saw that Charlie Dixon was very much a part of that whole random ball thing, um, yeah. which I guess coming from Gold Coast makes sense because <laughs> they're a bit random ball too. Um, well, I'm not really expecting to see much of how we've played the last two weeks, to be honest, because okay. we know the Dogs are a super defensive side. They're the best defensive side in the league. They mm. attack the ball carrier uh, with intent. You know, they tackle hard. They shut down space really, really quickly. So um, if we're expecting to see the sort of Joe the Goose sort of goals or, or the amount of free space in the Ford 50 that we've seen against Melbourne and Collingwood, then I think we're going to be mistaken. Yeah, look, I, I agree that probably that free space won't be there, but um, if that free space was there, we'd be talking about a 60-point win rather than maybe getting over the line, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, no doubt. Um, I think we're talking about a, a game that we're probably neither of us are expecting to get that result. Yeah. So um, if it happened, it'd be great. I but... think I, I think that sort of pressure on the ball carrier is going to be important for the dogs, um, mm. and that's going to sort of limit our chances to uh, to get sort of clear bowl inside 50. And maybe... I mean, best case scenario for the Dogs is we end up playing how we did against the Crows in the showdown, and it's just sort of bomb it forward because we've got no time, and you know it's just sort of easy chop off marks for them. So that that will be how they want the game to sort of run, and it's up to us to make sure that we uh, we make smart decisions with the ball going forward. 
Yeah, and I think it's also going to be important for us to cut off their release valves. So obviously someone like Hunter has been getting a lot of loose ball. I think he, the stat was he got 32 loose possessions out of 38 last week or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, which, uh, that's traditionally how we're beaten sides that do have that kind of defence um, because every defence needs a, an outlet. And we have traditionally been pretty good at setting up um, t- defensive half-forwards. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting to put someone, I guess, like even like Jake Need on someone like Hunter and have him run with him, or Impey perhaps, although Impey I'd rather yeah. have being more constructive going forward. Um, Hunter's a pretty good young player. You know, he's he's really come in this year and done a great job, and he's probably their equivalent of Sam Gray in the terms of okay. he's, a, he's a ball magnet. He does great things at stoppages. Gets the ball on the outside, but his disposal can really let him down sometimes. So basically, you're saying he's a player that it's worth trying to shut down because they'll certainly suffer for it. Because that's, I think, that's Sam Gray for us. Like, if Sam Gray isn't playing well and he's in the side, then we actually do suffer for it. I think. Yeah, quite possibly. Yep. Mm. And uh, what about the forward line for the dogs? Uh, obviously, String and Redpath uh, had a field day against us last time, and they certainly yeah. don't seem to be in any worse form this time around. What are our answers there? Well, they both had pretty good years. I think uh, Redpath's kicked 10 goals in four games and String is up near about 23 or 24 goals, I think, so far this year. So mm. uh, obviously Redpath is is the big brute forward, you know, super strong. Um, Austin's going to have a day out there, I think, um, trying to stop him. Well, yeah. um, but, you know, he, he did a great job on Travis Cloak last week. So uh, hopefully that'll give him the confidence in, in continuing to go up against that sort of player. Uh, the matchup for Stringer is going to be the interesting one, and uh, whether we go with uh, Cam O'Shea or Paul Stewart there, I, I think we're going to. Personally, I would prefer Cam O'Shea. I think he's done a great job the last couple of weeks on guys like um, uh, Darling. Sorry, he played on Darling, I think, three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, did a good job on Watts, and uh, also did a decent job on Jesse White as well. So he's come into some really good form. Um, and, and I would think he matches up really well with him in terms of pace, in terms of strength. Um, he's really good in the air. Yep. I think he's probably the, the more perfect matchup for Jake Stringer. Yeah, look, um, you've sold me, Macca, because I wasn't too sure about that. But uh, pointing out his previous matchups in recent times, I mean, that's, that seems pretty solid. Uh, he's the same yep. kind of mobile forward that um, those guys are. So hopefully O'Shea gets that job and he does fairly well. That'd be quite mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah, now I guess moving on to the game in general, the big question every week is should we be worried about Luke Beveridge as the opposition coach? Um, he's coming to that side and he's got a fantastic winning record. I think they're 22 and 12 at this point or something along those lines uh, since he started last year. Um, well, gee, uh, I don't know. Are we worried about Luke Beveridge as a coach or is it just that we they're killers at Eddie Head and maybe not away? It's really hard to say this week, I think. I think they've got a really good game plan which suits their strengths mm. um, and it's up to us to try and get around that. Um, it's going to be really tough for us out there. Can he make changes on the fly? I'm not too sure. Um, say if Charlie Dixon is uh, is really starting to dominate, if we're getting on top of in the midfield, can he make those sort of changes and, and maybe change the game style a little bit? I'm not too sure, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I think, I don't know. I mean, they don't really travel well, as we sort of know. Um, yeah. We might have a bit of a psychological advantage there. We did beat them last year when they were in pretty decent form when they came here. So no doubt we'll be hoping to do the same this week. Yeah, look, I mean, I agree. I think that if we hadn't had last week's win, we probably would say, have to say that the dogs had the psychological advantage. But I feel we just played such good team football last week that it kind of evens out. And then you add the fact it's at Adelaide Oval. Um, I think it probably leads slightly our way. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. Kind of a though. nil old draw. It's kind of a nil-all draw because they don't travel well and we haven't beaten anyone of note, really. And look, the dogs, I mean, there's people on the forum that have said, you know, who have they beaten? But they've at least been really, really competitive in every game this year and and we can't say that yet. So um, this is the the true test. This is the one which is going to really sort of shape our season. If we can win this, game on. You know, we are an absolute massive chance to make the finals. If we can't get over the dogs here... uh, you're going to have to say it's pretty tough. Yeah, it's certainly, it's the, really the linchpin game for our season, I'd say. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's super important. But uh, which, is, which is why I think Keith Thomas came out and, um, and did his sort of uh, memo to the members, um, which I thought was fantastic. I feel like running through a brick roll after reading that <laughs> at the moment. So, um, 
Yeah, so I think that's why he came out and said that, and uh, and hopefully we get a massive crowd out there and uh, and support the boys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have had a couple of comments on the forum. Dylan said, "Hot question: What is Luke Beveridge's preferred beverage?" Um, that's really a terrible joke. Um, but it was one oh, good question. Oh, he looks like a tea man to me, <laughs> as all good people are. Um, <laughs> Uh, we've got one question from Ryan Pillar, which is, do they have enough quality medium and small defenders to go with our smalls? Which, I don't know. Oh, I think they do, actually. I, th- yeah? I think they do. Yeah. If you assume that Adams is going to go with Dixon, you'd, you'd think Roberts will go with Westhoff. That leaves, I, I reckon Pickin, um is a big chance to go with Wingard. I know I said earlier that he might um, he might tag someone like Robbie Gray, but it, he's also a big chance to go on someone like Wingard. Um, Suckling is more of that sort of rebounding defender, but you'd think he might be a perfect match for Young or maybe okay. even Biggs, um, who's played some really, really good footy as well. And then there's Matty Boyd as well. So I actually really like their small defensive group. Mm. Um, they get the ball. They use it really well. Um, they're, they're quick, so they can keep up with our sort of uh, quicker smalls. Yeah. Um, so guys like Needy and, and Wingard are going to need to be at their defensive best, I think, this week. Interesting, interesting. All right, well, look, we have had a couple other questions from the um, game thread on the, uh, the podcast thread on Big Footy. Um, one, which is I think is probably a little bit negative, um, panel has been named as one of the empires. Should we bother playing? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Let's ask the Crows how they feel about this. <laughs> well, if it gets too bad, we can do a dimmer and take the players off early. But uh, <laughs> there we go. Well, uh, look, I think we know that everyone's going to be watching. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, I, I really don't like talking about the umpiring but some obviously with his record it's probably reasonably likely to be a factor yeah. um another question from us against the rest should we go at like Lockie neil should we Absolutely. trade you think so yep who's out for him because like for me i feel like we can't afford to trade any more draft picks and we ideally should be looking at maybe getting an extra one in yeah, look, it's it's the case of where I don't think we can actually trade our first round pick this year, so that's off the table. Mm. Um, so we'd have to find something else to uh, to satisfy Frio, unless he sort of uh, puts them to the sword a little bit. Yeah. Um, but look, Lockie Neal's a fantastic player. He's an absolute ball magnet. Really good at the stoppages. Regularly picks up thirty plus disposals. We'd be silly not to be chasing him as well. Yeah, I, I, how tall is he? He's a, he's a big step up on Sam. He is the sort of player that we hope Sam Gray will become. Right. But he's the finished article, I think. So he's obviously got his uh, he's got his faults. He's not a great user of the ball, but um, you know when you're getting it sort of thirty five or forty a week, you're bound to to make a few mistakes. I think. Yeah. Look, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be too disappointed if we let him be one of the fish that we throw back. Not mm. that he's no good, but that I, I just think we have other priorities. As much as we're doing all right right now, we do have some pretty huge flaws in our list we need to address. Mm. And the reality is that you can't have every good player. <laughs> like, you can't go for every good player. And look, midfield's still one of those flaws. Inside yeah. midfield is still one of those flaws. So, you know, Archie hasn't come on as expected. Sam Gray's disappointed this year. Amon is in and out of the side. You know, we've still got room for another very, very good midfielder to take the pressure off someone like Ollie Wines as well. So I just ha- have the feeling if we aren't serious about chasing Lockie Neal and he goes to the Crows, this is going to be Scott Thompson Mark too. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And Lockie Neal was a port supporter growing up as well. So there's another reason to get him. Mm. I mean, we might have a crack at him, but I look. I think that we've got to be realistic about the fact that there's going to have to be players traded out. Us against the rest has suggested that we might trade Lobby out or trade into Freo, but I don't know that he has much trade value now. I think it's gone. Well, that's going to be the interesting part of the off-season, isn't yeah. it? I mean, we know we were offered first-round picks by a couple of different <laughs> clubs for him last year. Is that off the table? You would think so. Yeah. Is, is a second-round pick going to be enough for us to satisfy a trade there or... I don't know. Are we going to keep the faith with Lobie and um, and Kenny's going to stick fat and uh, and play him next year with Ryder? Oh God, I hope not. Um, I I would be 
I, I really don't want to see Lovey play for Port again. Um, not that he's a horrible person or anything like that. It sounds like a it's it's the sort of thing you'd say for someone that's done something abominable, but it's just that he's shown like he doesn't have a lot to his game, and we've seen good ruck work, and we know what we want. And yeah. if we don't have a good ruck, we've got Jackson Trengove. So you know, um, I'd rather have Jackson Trengove rucking for us than Reddy Lovey. Uh, yeah, really. but if we get a good deal, I'd take it every day of the week. I'd take a bad deal personally, but there you go. Um, another question, Muttley Dog. He's got a concern that I probably got as well, which is uh, why are Port favourites? Is it because of the dog's travel form or is it that it's not an undercover game? I would say Port are favourites because more people have put money on Port Adelaide than the dogs. Aha! <laughs> Playing that with a straight bat and the uh, the logical yeah. bat, I think. That's the only reason why we're favourites is more more people would have stacked on the cash for Port Adelaide. Yeah, but isn't that interesting? Because I thought normally we had less money on us than other sides tended to, typically. Know, maybe, maybe people see value this week in uh, in picking us. Yeah. Maybe it is because of the dog's travel form. Um, that's, that's probably a fair assumption, I would think. Mm. Um, we've got another good question, which, oh, gee, I hope it's true. Um, Sleazy's asked, has Logan Austin ended Travis Cloak's career? Well, it's quite possible, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. very, very possible. I mean, he he just looked all out of sorts last week, Travis Cloak, and I'm sure he's going to play AFL again. Yeah. Um, may not be for Collingwood, may not be this year, but um, there's no doubt he's going to play more AFL games, but uh, I think he's absolutely finished as a, as a AFL force for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he. I guess he. I guess it's inevitable that some club will think he's worth getting. Could this be the Minton Connell of uh, 2016? As well, we spoke that's absolutely the possibility. Um, I guess if he did become available, I mean, he is probably the sort of player that Freo would at least consider getting, considering they're going to lose Pavlich this year. Um, huge downgrade. Yeah, but how but... old is he? He's like, th- what, 29? Yeah but, if, yeah, but if they're recruiting young, then they need a stopgap for two or three years while they're shit. So. Yeah, but oh, look, they're going to put all their eggs in the Cam McCarthy basket, I think, Maybe. again. There's no doubt that a trade will get done there, for sure, because it's obvious he's never playing for GWS again. So um, do they go with him and then support him with someone like Travis Cloak, or do they put their faith in guys like Taverner, who has improved a fair bit this year and is playing some decent football? Um, uh, I know they've started playing Apeness um, the last couple of weeks, so I don't know. Mm. Someone will will pick pick him up. He, yeah. He's going to be uh, he's going to be valuable for someone. Yeah, you have to say. Um, and Big Daddy's asked the, big, the real question for this week: If we beat the dogs, are we a real finals prospect? Absolutely. Yeah, you no have doubt. to say we are really. Yeah, because yeah. I mean that's sort of the one. Like the dogs, in a lot of way, is like the the Christmas gift that we're hoping for. Um, yeah. because we've got all the, the small ones and they're okay. We've got the wins against the terrible sides. We've got a couple in a row. But if we get this win against the dogs, it's three wins in a row and this one's against a side that's right at the top of the ladder um, and that plays a... I, I, they play a very different style of game to the guys we've go, going up against the last few weeks, um, mm. which I think would say that we are, have a versatile side as well. Um, I think there's a lot of things in this game that would predict that if we win this one, we should be a finals prospect. So that'll be yep. interesting. Interesting to see. Yeah, as I said earlier, this is the litmus litmus test. You know, if we mm. win this, you know, seasons on three games in a row, three wins in a row, uh, the draw opens up a little bit. Uh, got some decent games coming up. Um, yes, it's really on our heads <laughs> if we want to make the finals or not. You know, if we lose, then. It, it just shows that we can't beat teams above us on the ladder at this point in time, and, and we are kind of middle of the road. So, yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, rolling on again, we've got the Fringe Force 5 this week, which is a happy occasion, because I think it's the last time we'll discuss Ooh. Aaron Young in this category, and it's only to say, congratulations, Aaron Young, you've graduated out of being a Fringe player at this point. Um, well, that's it. He's, uh, he's got his contract. <laughs> he's, uh, he's an integral part of the team. He's yeah. second on the goal-kicking ladder. He's playing he bloody is. good footy. Yeah, no, he's having a huge year. He's uh, kicked 25 goals in 10 games this year, and he's also got a goal assist per game, pretty much. So that's uh, a huge impact on our scoreboard. He's just been super consistent, and I, he's probably out in a lot of ways. I mean, he's almost had a, he hasn't had he hasn't had on a better year than Wingard, but it almost feels like it, you know. <laughs> he's played you, you really well. You don't think he has had a better year than Wingard? Oh, I don't know. Like I, I, I think oh, I don't I know. Think Do you he think has. he has really? How clearly? Yeah. 
Yeah. I would have thought it would be a close thing, if anything. Oh, it's pretty close, but I think he's got the edge. Oh, wow. Okay. Wingard's last three or four games have been really good, but he was um, he was a little bit ordinary to start the year, and obviously yeah, he had some injury issues as well. But yeah. Youngie, when he's straight from game one, when he came into the side and kicked um, kicked a bag against the Crows, you know, he's yeah. been super consistent. So I think he has uh, he has performed better than uh, than Chad this year. Wow. Big call, Macca. I like it. <laughs> and I see Ryan at Pillar agrees with you. Yep, you are all about the big call. Um, now, I guess that just leaves one question. Who are we replacing you with in the Fringe Force 5? There's probably four candidates I can think of. Um, Carl Amon, Brendan Archie, Cam O'Shea, and Paul Stewart. Well, we already do Cam O'Shea, so he's out. Oh, we so. do. He's out. There we yeah. go. Off you go, Cam. Paul Stewart's uh, done all right this year. I, I think it's up between uh, Amon and Archie. Uh, I've got one in my mind. Who's yours? Archie. Yeah, I think that's probably the best call because I think he's got the I think he's got the highest ceiling and the lowest floor in a lot of yeah. ways. I think Amon's contracted for next year as well. Ah, okay, all right. Um, so Brendan Archie, you know, he's um, he's probably struggled a little bit this year, and uh, maybe his career's on the line. So I, I think he'd be a, a perfect match for uh, Fringe Force Five. All right, he's in. So in five weeks' time, you'll be hearing all about Brendan Archie. Congratulations, <laughs> listeners. Not now because we haven't repaired anything. <laughs> But I suppose we could talk briefly about him. Um, it's really been mystifying how he's kind of dropped off this year after that fantastic end of last year. Um, I don't know, Maka, what do you think the real issue is there? I'm not sure what the issue is. I just don't think he's... Um, I don't think he's become comfortable. I just think he's just really struggled to read the play a little bit this year. And hmm. you know, He's had some really decent time in the midfield and... Look, I guess you look at the stat sheet and across the board, he's, he's probably improved his stats all year okay. uh, on last year. Um, but the impact in his game hasn't been there. Um, and he hasn't mm. been hitting the scoreboard like he did last year as well. So um, no doubt we'll see him again before the end of the year. And um, I really like Brendan. I, th- I think he's got a future. Um, he, but it's up to him, really. He just needs to find that sort of extra 10%, which will put him into sort of consistent AFL performer category. Yeah, look, um, that's certainly you, you bang on about the thing that's missing from his game this year, and that is the impact on the game. He's just been a bit of a like, even when he has been statistically okay, he's just been a real nobody and hardly seen on the field. Mm. Um, it's concerning, and the reason it's concerning is it's hard, it's hard to see what he needs to do differently. Like, you know, we know he needs more impact, but what would he need to do differently in terms of how he's playing to get that impact back? Um, yeah, I'm Look, not players sure. Players go out of form, and maybe yeah. he's just out of form. So hopefully, yeah. Mm. All right, and now just the last segment before the wrap up. Uh, talking about the Magpies game this week, uh, playing against Sturt at Albert and Oval this Sunday at two ten p.m. Um, Sturt atop the ladder at the moment for what that's worth in the SNFL, and we are seventh. Uh, Carlisle's out with his injuries, obviously. Uh, do you think we've got any chance at all in this game, Macca, given our recent form? Uh, not sure. You know, it's a lot of decent players out. Mitchell suspended. Robbie Young's gone out with an injury as well. Dossid Masters. Um, he's probably not had the best year, to be honest. But um, into the side comes uh, Aiden Johnson. Good to see him back. Cam Hewitt, um, Carl Amon as well. And it looks like um, Kieran Aegis is named twice on the bench. So hopefully one of him um, comes <laughs> with. Uh, like the full Wanganines. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. And uh, so do you think there's a chance we'll maybe get a win or do you think it's just a matter of hopefully not getting smashed? I don't know. Oh, look, I think you go into every game hoping that you're going to win and, you know, it, it would be great to uh, to get a, a win over Sturt, especially at Albert and Oval. We need to keep winning games there mm. and try and keep that uh, that sort of run going. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just for me, the forward line, it's, uh, it's just a bit too thin. But, okay. uh, yeah, we, we shall see. Yeah, well, I mean, we can always rely on Johnny Butcher to pick up the game and win, hopefully. I don't know, yeah. maybe. We'll see. Johnny Butcher. Good to see Frampton in the ruck. Um, yeah. Zach Hawkins had a really good game last week, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Uh, really want to see some uh, some big form from Jimmy Tumpus as well. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's another one to look out for. Mm, absolutely. All right. Well, look, I mean, I guess it's just time to do the final wrap. Uh, so, All Macca, right. your winning side, the margin, and the highest goal kicker for Port Adelaide. This has been the, the tough one for the year for me. I mean, usually yeah. I just come up with who's going to win in a margin pretty much straight away at the start of the week and lock it in. But this one, I've sort of 
wavered back and forth about 50 times and you, you can make a great case for, for either side winning this one. Um, yeah. But for me, I'm going to tip Port by two points in a really low-scoring affair. Um, and I'm going to have no multiple goal kickers for Port Adelaide. No multiple goal kickers for Port Adelaide. I think it's going to be like a, you know, seven goals nine to seven goals seven or something like that sort of game. Wow, that's different to my thoughts because I think it's going to be a shootout. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Well, my winning side, look, I think we can win. I'd probably have to say I think the... Look, if I'm if I was if I was if it wasn't Port and it was a, a Port-like team, I'd probably say Bulldogs by about thirty. So I'm, I guess I should say Bulldogs by about thirty, um, because I just think that they're more settled. Like we've got a good little run of form, but they're more settled as a team. They've got goals at the end of the year, like they know they're a final side basically now. Um, yeah, and they should be used to teams like us because we just played a whole bunch of teams like us. Yeah. Um, and they've beaten teams like us, so I'm not, I'm not confident this week. I have got to say, Maca, unfortunately. So yeah, dogs by thirty, and no, I think, I think fair. our, I think our best goal kicker might be, I reckon it might be Westy, Westoff. I reckon he might kick at least three. Yeah, look, playing on someone like Fletcher Roberts, I think yeah. there's a chance here if we get on top in the midfield, he might uh, have a bit of a day out. I think he's got the height and uh, the reach and the marking capability to give him a, a few issues, but. Um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully Justin does have a day out. Yeah, all right, I'll go with Westhoff. And who's okay. your immediate for Port Adelaide this week? My immediate for Port Adelaide is Cam O'Shea. As Ooh. I said earlier, I think he's going to take Jakey Stringer. Um, yep. And I th- for me, I think he's going to keep him to under 10 disposals and no more than one goal. Excellent. That would be absolutely fantastic. It would. Um, mine, it, it's a bit rough. It's a bit... Um, bit cheating to call the vice captain the immediate but my immediate this week is Hamish Hartlett um I think his kick and the length of his kick is the sort of thing that could be an absolute weapon for us Mm. and I'm sort of I sort of feel like this is the kind of game where he might be able to get a bit of an edge um we'll see but I wouldn't be surprised if he um well I would expect him to kick a couple of goals hopefully a couple of long goals that'd be really nice from Hamish so uh a bit of that and hopefully being a bit more forward rather than just that sort of quarterbacky role he is quite good at um, interesting to see how he plays, I guess. And yeah. um, for the dogs, who's your immediate? Uh, Marcus Adams. Now, one of the real sort of good luck stories okay. of the year. Picked out of the waffle as a mature age play. He's walked straight into the dog side and, and played some really good footy as a, as a key defender. Uh, rebounds really well. He's super strong. Great mm. closing speed. Um, as I said earlier, I think he's going to play on, on Dixon. And I think he's going to keep him goalless this week. Wow. That's a big call. Mm. Although I guess it just happened. <laughs> As I said, I'm all about the big calls, Porsche. <laughs> you certainly are. Oh, gosh. I don't call me Big Coal Macca for no reason. That's a bit of a weird name, Macca. Yeah, well, I just made that up, so. Oh, uh, okay. That's fine. Um, look, I don't. I can't really see anyone that I'd say is a clear immediate, so I'm going to go with Jordan Ruffhead in his 100th game. Um, okay. Just to be useful around the ground in a way that um, obviously Jackson Trangove is for us, but he's got that little bit of ruck and I don't know. I think that they'll probably just play the pure ruckman in ruck all game and then Ruffy will get to be a bit more of a loose player. And if he doesn't yeah. go on West off, it'll be interesting to see how that matches up. So I'm going to go with Ruffhead, I think. I can um, see him floating forward and kicking two or three goals. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard to imagine. Mm. Uh, and you bet the house smacker. I really struggled with this one this week, and I've, mm. I've gone with a bit of a different tack. I'm going to bet the house that we keep the dogs to their lowest disposal count of the year so far. We know they like to overplay the ball. Um, they've had something like 500 more disposals than any other team this year. Um, their current lowest for the year sits at 369 against GWS. It's the only time this year they've had sub-400 disposals, and I think we're going to keep them to less than that. Okay, that's interesting. What makes you think that? Don't know. I, I just think we're going to want to try and hold on to the ball a little bit more. We're going to put them under a little bit of pressure um, and, and try and shut down. Hopefully we get our, uh, our zoning working, um, which leads them to be playing a little bit slower, um, a little bit more measured, um, and they don't have the time to sort of do their sort of quick handball and, and quick disposal. Okay. 
Um, mine's a different bit of the house entirely. It's on the other side. Um, I think that uh, Brad Ebert will be targeted as... Not targeted. Not targeted is really literally what I mean. I think Brad Ebert's going to be the guy that they let become a bit of a playmaker in this game. I don't think he'll get the hardest matchup. And I think that his disposal might hurt us because they are so good at um, picking up errant kicks in the forward line. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go with Brad Ebert to probably get 25 disposals and five clangers. Okay, that's fair enough. Which is a weird I still, one. I still but, think yeah. he's going to play a defensive role on, on Bonts, but yeah, we maybe. shall see. Yeah, maybe. All right. Well, look, I think that wraps it up for this week. Uh, a little bit of a short podcast, but uh, when there's no changes and there's no melts, then what can you really say, you know? Makes it uh, all quite easy. So, Mako, is there anything you, you wanted to talk about, about the game before we wrap up? No, not really. I think that's no. about it, really. I think it's going to be an absolute classic and uh, one of the games of the year, and um, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get over the line because I would really like us to play finals this year. Yeah, and it, look, it's an early Saturday start. It's a one ten start on Saturday, so hopefully we get a good crowd. Um, yeah. It'd be quite nice and keep those crowds up. Well, and, yeah. What do you think the crowd's going to be? Because it is a long weekend. There's going to be people travelling. Uh, look, I feel like that's generally more of a concern for Sunday games. Like, I think mm-hmm. the Saturday and the Monday are usually pretty decent. So, I, I don't think it'll change too much. I don't know. I'm bad at crowds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 33,000. Really? Yeah. I was thinking more like 40. I think it's going to be tough for us to get 40, but I would absolutely adore it if we did. Because yeah. that if we get 40 and we're loud and, you know, give them hell, you know, it's going to go a long way to helping. I mean, I feel like we should get 40 because we have had a little run of form and it is against a side that is right at the top of the ladder this year and it is a team that travels poorly, so every Port fan knows that the crowd will be important. Yeah. Um, it's the sort of game where I think that we should get 40,000. Like, Even though it's a long weekend, we should get 40,000. Yeah, Saturday day games as well are a little yeah. bit of a tricky time slot with work and you know, all that sort of stuff That's and true. people playing footy themselves or netball or whatever. So, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot going against us in terms of the crowd this week. But um, if we can pull 40 out of the bag, then that's uh, that's massive. It's absolutely massive. Yeah, it would be good. Look, we've got a, a couple of comments on the Spreak Forum quickly. Campaigner, whoever campaigner is, has said 45k, please. <laughs> Um, Stu Hawes reckons 42, maybe 45. And JBC has said 30, 33K, Khan Macca, Khan. So uh, ah. there you go. Hashtag Khan. Love it. <laughs> hashtag Khan. Good old hashtag Khan. <laughs> All right. Well, look, um, that'll do us for this week. So thanks, everyone, listening live on the Spreaker chat forum. And thanks, everyone, downloading the podcast and listening at a later stage. Uh, we really do value that. Uh, you can still leave a review. I don't, there's not a prize for it at the moment. But if you want to leave a review on iTunes, that'll certainly be welcome. Definitely keep reviewing if you haven't done so. Because it keeps us up there. It keeps keeps Port Fan Radio um, straight into the eyes of uh, people that might be looking for it. So, yeah, keep those reviews coming. It certainly helps. Absolutely. But uh, in conclusion, go Port. Can't appear. Can the Port Adelaide's. What a handball from... Could be a catastrophic error. And Wingard can make it really, really... Stay, it's there, Wingard, from the dead point.